we go. You are listening to Rumination Tuesday Law and Gospel, where we take a look at the hymn assigned for the following Sunday, which is a Sunday in Epiphany. And the hymn is, Thy Strong Word Did Cleave the Darkness. Pastor Mark Smith is on assignment today. Thy Strong Word is a very famous hymn at Concordia Seminary, St. Louis, because it's often used during a celebration or during graduation. I remember walking in as a student and later on with the various degrees that I received, and that was a hymn that we were singing with the faculty following us, etc. Thy strong word. Now, there's two reasons I think it's sung. First of all, it really has good biblical theology. And second of all, it's written by Martin Franzman. He uh, died in 1976. I had him as a professor. I remember the course I had with him on Romans. It's a 10-week course, and I think we got up through chapter 5. Just has tremendous insights. Was a wonderful theologian, had studied in Cambridge, uh, England, taught there also. And so it's a uh, well-known hymn to a lot of us who attended Concordia Seminary. By the way, um, reading the post-disgrace this morning, the newspaper here in St. Louis, they reported that there was a robbery at Concordia Seminary St. Louis where a woman was robbed of her phone. They were able to catch the robbers because they just, well, the phone does pinging, and they were able to know where they were, and sure enough, the two of them were in a car with her phone. So it doesn't matter where you are these days, and we pray that she's all right and that everything is okay now. But you need to be really careful when you're walking around anywhere these days, who's coming near you, etc., etc. So we are comforted in these items by the strong word of God. So without further ado, let's begin with the first stanza. Thy strong word did cleave the darkness. At thy speaking it was done. For created light we thank thee while thine ordered seasons run. Alleluia, alleluia. Praise to thee who light dost send. Alleluia, 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 without end. Now, when you first hear that, thy strong word, you might presuppose that this is talking about Jesus Christ, uh, the word of God. And it is, but it's also talking about what Jesus did. Jesus is found in the first three verses of the Bible. We're talking about Genesis 
chapter 1. In the beginning, which, by the way, is the same way that John chapter 1 kind of begins. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We believe that to be referring to the Father. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. We believe that to be the Holy Spirit. Now listen to verse 3. And God said, this is God talking, let there be light, and there was light. Now, why do we believe that that's referring to Jesus Christ? Because as I said in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see how Martin Franzman picks up these two passages, talking about the Word, and we believe that there the Word is none other than Jesus Christ. Because in verse 2 it says, He was in the beginning with God. And the reason that we believe this to be Jesus Christ is in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, stanza one of thy strong word talks about that the word brought light. And sure enough, listen to verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So that really talks about Stanza two of thy strong word. Lo, on those who dwelt in darkness, dark as night and deep as death, broke the light of thy salvation. Breathe thine own life breathing breath. And then the alleluias with the phrase praise to thee, who light dost send. So when you see the word word, it can refer to a number of items. It can refer to Jesus Christ, who is the word of God. And it can also refer to his own words. Just by speaking, it was done. Talk about destroying evolution. Because evolution says, no, 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 there's... No God who just speaks a word and it occurs. I can't understand how Christians can believe in evolution. Because they know what the first miracle Jesus ever did was. And it was a miracle at Cana. He took ordinary water, in fact, probably 120 gallons of it, and by his word... Just speaking, he changed it into wine. There's a perfect example 
of how God creates. So the idea that God did not create by his word, but by some process that Darwin invented is ridiculous. You see, false science wants to have a cause that's a natural cause, not a supernatural cause. So they're always trying to look for ways in which God, if he is a God, did things naturally. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't do that. At the crossing of the Red Sea, he did speak the waves to open up, the water to open up so Israel could cross over. But he used a strong wind, it says, uh, all night long to beat back the waters and make the ground dry. That was still a miracle, even though he used something. When he healed the blind man, remember he put mud on his eyes. Now, we don't think that mud had any healing power, but it was connected to his word. It's the same way that God, when he baptizes, he uses simple water. We take it out of the tap. But when it's connected to God's word, notice word, what a difference it makes. And that those who dwelt in darkness, dark as night and deep as death. Why? Because that darkness is the kingdom of Satan into which we were all born. He broke the light of thy salvation. Breathe thine own life-breathing breath. Now that refers to, of course, the creation of man. He breathed life into him. I mean, that's how God works. He doesn't need evolution. And to believe in evolution is actually false teaching. Verse 3, thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness. Glorious now we press toward glory, and our lives, our hopes, confess. Followed by the alleluias. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous. That reminds me of Abraham. God said, uh, Abraham, I know uh, your wife Sarah is very old, past childbearing age, but the two of you are going to have a son. His name is going to be Isaac. Abraham believed that promise, even though he had no evidence for it at all. And God bespoke him as righteous. He declared him as righteous. Only Christianity teaches this, that you are declared righteous by believing the promises of God. No other religion even comes near it. Every other religion, you become righteous by what? By doing good works. And they have a whole list for you to do. You have the Ten Commandments, they're in the Bible but they're not a means of salvation. God instead uses them to show that you need a savior. They're a means of repentance. And when we are declared righteous, 
we are now holy in God's sight. That's why Christians can go to the Lord's Supper because having been baptized, they have received the gift of the Holy Spirit and they have been declared righteous. So we're now glorious, moving toward glory, which is referring to heaven. And our lives, our hopes confess. So it doesn't matter what's happening in your life. You still can confess the hope that has been given you. See, hope is kind of different in the Bible. A lot of times when we say, well, I hope this will occur. What you're saying is, let's say if you heard about a sale at McDonald's. I, I don't know if it's still on, but I hope it is. We use the word hope not knowing for sure if what we're looking forward to is going to happen. I, I hope she goes out with me on a date. Uh, I hope I get a promotion. The, these are all questionable things. But when the Bible talks about hope, it's a sure hope. We hope that heaven is going to be our home, but it's a sure hope because we have been bespoken as righteous. And you cannot have a proper hymn without referring to the cross. Stanza four, from the cross, thy wisdom shining breaketh forth in conquering might. From the cross forever beameth all thy bright redeeming light. Now, if you were at the cross, you didn't see any beaming light. In fact, remember, for three hours it was dark. You saw three men bloodied, nailed to the accursed crosses. How would you say, wow, that's wisdom shining? Well, I'll tell you, I, I can prove to you it was wisdom shining. Because at the beginning of the crucifixion, both thieves reacted against Jesus, making fun of him. But after Jesus had spoken, and we only have seven of the words he spoke. He may have spoken more, but of those seven, wow, are they ever important. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Into thy hands I commit my spirit. It is finished. Those three alone would probably be a reminder to the one thief who was Jewish, probably had heard the Bible, spoken the Old Testament a number of times in the synagogue, and he came to realize that this man on the cross was the Messiah. Through faith, given to him by the Holy Spirit. And what did he say? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. You see, most of the people just saw a broken, bloodied man on the cross. And you would ask him, I believe it's Augustine, who asked the thief in a item he wrote, why do you call him Lord 
And why do you talk about wanting to be in his kingdom? Do you see any crown but the crown of thorns? Do you see any throne but the cross upon which he is affixed? Do you see any scarlet robe but the blood that pours from his wounds, his whippings? And yet, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what was Jesus' response? Today you shall be with me in paradise. Paradise is that location where the thief went and Jesus went on Good Friday. We call it the interim. And we don't know that much about it, but we do believe that it's with Jesus, your loved ones who died in the faith, and they're waiting for the day of judgment when their bodies will be restored to their spirits. Stanza five, give us lips to sing thy glory, tongues thy mercy to proclaim, throats that shout the hope that fills us, mouths to speak thy holy name. And then the alleluias. With may the light which thou dost send fill our songs with alleluias, alleluias without end. Now I want you to see something special about stanza five. Unlike many of the contemporary hymns today, where the focus of attention is on me, look what I am able to do for Jesus. Look what I have accomplished in trusting in him. Note that almost every line in stanza five is talking about us who now speak the word of God from Holy Scripture about Jesus, lips to sing thy glory. Remember Jesus said it wasn't time for his glory until he went to the cross. Glory means this is where we really honor him. In Revelation 5, he appears as a slain lamb because he has gloriously accomplished what he, the Father, and the Holy Spirit had decided to do from before the foundation of the world, that he would become human in order to pay for the sins of other human beings. Tongues thy mercy to proclaim. Now, what's the difference between grace and mercy? Grace is you get something you don't deserve, the forgiveness of sins. Mercy refers to you don't get what you deserve, namely eternal hell. So we use our lips and our tongues to proclaim his glory that has kept us from the fires of hell. And we use our throats that shout the hope that fills us, mouths to speak thy holy name. Boy, Professor Franzman really puts together lips, tongues, throats, 
and Mao's. You, you often would think, I don't know, I don't have much to give to God. Yes, you have your voice. You have your lips, your tongue, your throat, your mouth. To sing his glory, proclaim his mercy, fill the hope that you have, and tell others about his holy name. This is called witnessing. Uh, notice, it's not talking about using your reason or trying to give some kind of evidence what Jesus has done for you, because there is none. Apart from faith, the Christian religion is ridiculous, makes no sense, is contrary to common sense. And so an attempt to use reason in, in order to cover us saying, well, we don't have blind faith. We have reasonable faith. No, no, we don't. Because if it was reasonable, then anybody who saw the crucifixion or were aware of the resurrection would have all the evidence they need to be saved. And they don't. The Pharisees believed they were there. He was crucified. They believed he rose from the dead just as he had risen Lazarus from the dead. But they thought it was a trick of the devil. So there is no evidence that the resurrection proves that he is divine or we are saved apart from faith. So we spend our time in witnessing proper apologetics is what Jesus did with the two servant uh, disciples on the road to Emmaus. He went to the Old Testament verses, and after he was done, their hearts leaped within them because they now understood from the Old Testament the necessity of his crucifixion and resurrection. So, we now stand for stanza six. It's got a triangle referring to the Trinity, and we talk about the Trinity. God the Father, light creator. See, that's why we believe that God the Father is Genesis 1 verse 1, because all three persons of the Trinity partook in the creation of the world. There was only one item that Jesus did without the other two, and that was to pay for our sins on the cross. All, all three of them even raised him from the dead. God the Father, like creator, to thee, Lord, and honor be. Then, to the light of light begotten, that's Jesus, Praise be sung eternally. He's the light of the world for those of us who thought we were walking in darkness. And we were because we were in the kingdom of Satan. Holy Spirit, light revealer, glory, glory be to thee. This is reminding us of Martin Luther's explanation of the third article of the Apostles' Creed about the Holy Spirit. I cannot by my own reason or strength 
come to the Lord Jesus, but the Holy Spirit has brought me, and he brought me through the means of grace. And the means of grace is always word and sacrament, not our reason to convince someone of the rationality of Christianity. It doesn't work. And finally, the last two sentences in stanza six. Mortals, angels, now and ever, praise the Holy Trinity. What does that remind us of? It reminds us of the Lord's Supper. And remember at the Lord's Supper, when we're having that prayer, getting ready to take the Lord's Supper, that prayer includes angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. Yes, that's wherewith Simeon we meet Jesus and receive him in our mouth. I'm Tom Baker. Tomorrow is Bible Study Wednesday. Until then, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.